You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Welcome back to another episode of NFT365. How many of you are looking forward to the House of the Dragon? How many of you are a Game of Thrones fans, right? We, the the spin-off is premiering tonight. And the question I have is, if we looked at NFT projects as spin-offs rather than derivatives or expansions or even trait groups would it change the way we think about that space or think about the value of the projects? And also, would it help us in understanding what makes something you know, a, a spinoff or a value add versus just a copycat and lazy project? Of course, before we get into that, shout out to our sponsor, Crypto Business Conference. It is the Crypto Business Conference is for all those in Web3, NFTs, crypto, creator coins, and more that are looking to level up on all of those things. Make sure you check out the Crypto Business Conference. There is a link in our bio. And uh, you know, our shout out or our throwback today for our Mint 365 collection, uh, we're going back in the Wayback Machine. I think that's, I'm getting a little nostalgic now uh, in, the, in the Wayback Machine. And we're going back all the way to 1212. 2021. So one, two, one, two, two, one, uh, as someone that loves numbers. Uh, and we minted on that day a project referred to as the Expansion Punks, uh, referred to often as the X-Punks, a uh, project that I still love and hold many of personally today. Uh, we actually had the founder, Jeremy, uh, on the podcast uh, later in uh, the month of December. But we actually minted that project, and it was four months after the project was actually released. And it minted out the week that we minted it, not saying that we had everything to do with the reason it minted, but it did mint out that week and it has been, you know, continually growing. They have a DAO, um, they have a, you know, a very passionate, uh, community, some really great art. Uh, they have, uh, you know, really some interesting, uh, you know, uh, process. And I wanted to, you know, on that day back on December 12th, I wanted to read the tweet that I, I posted out. I said, I like the angle this project is taking, although not usually a huge fan of expansion projects. But I like that they are taking a positive angle with a goal of a more diverse and inclusive NFT project. Now, the reason I wanted to read that is because, you know, it's funny reading that even back and saying I, I, I'm not really a fan of, uh, of expansion projects, right? But I don't think when I tweeted that back in December, I could really tell you the difference between an expansion project and a derivative project. Uh, I don't think I, I really understood like where those kind of fell in this game. And so that's where I wanted to kind of take uh, the conversation today uh, for this episode. But I'm also going to get into kind of like fractionalization and, you know, some of the things that are happening across the space, because this is kind of uh, interesting times, right? Because right now there are lots of people building. There are lots of people looking at like, okay, what is it that people value in this space? Uh, there are people looking at education. There are people that are looking 
you know, at things from a standpoint of like, where, where is the you know, easiest path uh, for success? And I think it's important also to recognize, you know, we all define success differently. And depending on what you want to look for in, in a, as a collector or as an investor, or maybe even as a project founder, you know, what your version of success is should ultimately dictate where you, you know, spend your time or your money and, and what your goals are. But we also have to just recognize that there is nothing that breeds copycat or, you know, uh, let's just say, uh, you know, taking from than success, right? There's nothing that breeds more copycatting than success, right? So we, we've seen this in social media and technology, right? We look at, uh, you know, I believe I, I just saw today, uh, which is kind of wild to think about the fact that, you know, it looks like Amazon will be rolling out a TikTok-like feature with stories and swipeable kind of like dancing style uh, short content, right? And it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of wild to think about all of the, you know, where, what Facebook stole from Instagram, what Instagram stole from Snapchat, what Snapchat, what TikTok took from Snapchat, that what everybody's taken from TikTok. But we could even take that innovation into other places, right? Do we look at Uber and Lyft? Is Lyft a derivative is it a copycat? Is it a spinoff? Is it a uh, you know expansion of Uber? And really, is Uber really just an expansion of the taxi cab? Uh, and you know, we could really kind of go. You know, I could give you more examples than uh, you probably even want to kind of break back uh, towards. But the the reason I think this is such an important discussion right now is I believe there are lots of assumptions that are made. Um, when people are creating a project or people are talking about a project or, you know, a project comes to life. And I think, unfortunately, and you, and, you know, as listeners, I would love for you to kind of take this moment to think about this in your own, uh, experience here in the NFT space. When you see a new NFT project launched or you're, you're researching a new project, are you going at it from the standpoint of, let's just say, innocent until proven guilty in the sense of, Wow, like what, a, what else, you know, this project is amazing. What, how can I learn more about it? Or are you looking at projects and saying, this project is probably going to suck like most of them. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to go in to, to confirm my, my thesis that this project is probably, uh, you know, it doesn't have a roadmap. They don't understand utility. They're just looking for a money grab, whatever that may be. And the reason I think it's important how we approach these things is that it, it really does determine oftentimes what our kind of impression of something is. And then that's also what lives beyond, um, the, you know, the, you know, it can be something, it's a, it can become a bias that breeds into other places, uh, in the, how we do things. And one of the examples I want to give you has nothing to do with NFTs right now. So I want you to think about what is your favorite and I know I have some, I, I know I have some movie fans here that are listening to the show. What is your favorite? you know, part two or remake movie, right? Like what movie do you love that they made more than one of, right? I'm a big, I loved Born Identity. I'm a huge Matrix movie fan, um, you know, and I think, you know, we, of course we could say Godfather. Uh, although I always think it's funny when someone brings up Godfather, it's always caveated with, but my favorite Godfather is Godfather 4 or Godfather 2 or whatever it may be. And, 
It's funny because that concept, right? Like from a, a, a movie in movie theater perspective, if you look back over like the box office perspective, most, you know, of, you know, part twos of any movie that is launched don't do as well as part ones. But we could argue that the way Batman, the Batman series, or even Spider-Man, look at the Spider-Man movies that have been put out over the last 20 years. There, there has been multiple different people playing Peter Parker. There have been multiple different, uh, you know, Spider-Man narratives and storylines. But there's also been a lot of the same storyline with new characters, you know, updated, te- you know, uh, you know, perspective, even a change, uh, in how we look at things. And then you have other, uh, you know, uh, we could just even look at, you know, some of the, the Marvel, uh, series or some of the, you know, if you look at some of the collect, you know, the everything from uh, the Punisher to, uh, you know, you have the, the, the series of, you know, Flash and all these different, uh, you know, I, I guess we could call them spinoffs of, of a main kind of Marvel, uh, you know, collection. And the reason I think all of this is important is that it's, we have to ask ourselves about like, what makes those things work or not work? And then how do we take that into this space of NFTs? But I'm going to add one caveat to that. When I look at people that are creating a project right now in NFTs that is either using, let's just face it, if they're using ape art or if they're using, um, you know, crypto punk art or moonbirds art or even like any type of bird, any type of ape or any type of punk, if they have any form of that in there, right? The the question I think we automatically go to is like, oh God, you know, it's like, oh, another one. Or like, oh, what what are what is what makes this one different? Now, we've seen some of these, you know, projects be successful. We had like the okay bears, and then there were the not okay bears, right? You had um in the punks, especially early days of punks, there was you know lots of different uh punk related uh, NFT projects that launched off. I know some people that are extremely passionate about the different punk, uh, you know, subsidiary projects that were kind of launched. And, you know, the other part of this is that, you know, a lot of people have launched, uh, projects based on their own board ape or their own crypto punk and because they own the IP on that. And so they're going to use that as kind of like a spinoff, but maybe the art itself is not the exact, you know, same as an ape. But the, the logo or the branding of the actual collection is using the ape from the founder's, you know, personal, uh, personal bag. And I put all of that out there because one of the things that I look at and one of the ways that we have to think about this is that, you know, what, what components make us excited? Now, I'm a diehard games, Game of Thrones fan. Uh, I'm actually right now watching, uh, the last season of Game of Thrones. I'm going to finish it up tonight before, uh, the spinoff is launched because I, you know, I just, I'm such a big fan of, uh, of the series. I love everything that it represents. I think there's so much there that, uh, is exciting for, you know, the future of, you know, the House of Dragon, which for those that aren't familiar, House of Dragon is set 200 years uh, before Game of Thrones. So it's a prequel. So what I started thinking about was like, what if an NFT project was a prequel? Now we've seen like the little pudgies, which is the pudgy penguins uh, project. And then they had like kind of their next phase. Now we actually have a little pudgy in our uh, mint 365 bag that we minted way back when they launched, uh, which is a great, you know, great little project pun intended. Um, but you know, what, what about the idea of like, of a prequel. What about a prequel 
gets as exciting. And then what are about the spinoff sides, right? Like I, I loved Breaking Bad. Uh, how many people love Breaking Bad? You know, you had, uh, you know, uh, Better Call Saul as one of the spinoffs, right? Even Friends, for those that don't remember, you know, Friends, uh, you know, Joey had his own uh, spin. I actually loved Joey's spinoff series. It didn't last very long on TV, I think four years or so, but I thought he did a great job. But the reason I think all of this is so, so important for us to dissect is that the idea of copying, copying or innovating based on what has been successful for us is not just a Web3 thing. And the truth is, it will never go away. It's going to continue. It's going to flourish in a Web3 environment. It's why the discussion on CC0, the Creator Commons license, is such an important one. Because there are there is a time and place for us to rethink what intellectual property means or even what does ownership mean in the sense of you know owning the original of something even though it's been copied and used around the world it's really no different than i mean a lot of the most famous paintings in the world right like in my house i have starry night i have a copy of starry night uh you know in my uh in my house on the wall i love the vincent van gogh piece uh it's sure as hell not the original and i haven't seen anyone that's come into my house and said Hey, Brian, is that the original? Or, hey, Brian, why'd you buy that? They're like, oh, I love Starry Night too. Or, hey, I'm a Vincent Van Gogh fan. And I think this is such an interesting conversation because I do look at, you know, there is a difference between creating an expansion project, creating a derivative project, and just simply copying a project. And I think that is actually where we have to kind of, uh, you know, connect some of our, our, our dots. And I think the most important component of this is the context and the storytelling that is around it, right? So like, if you look at, you know, if Game of Thrones, if there was another version of Game of Thrones that came out that was just kind of like a remake of the exact one this close, none of us would watch it. But mark my words, I can almost guarantee you 15 years from now, for whatever we're doing 15 years from now, I bet you there will be a Game of Thrones like remake with new characters using new, probably it's going to be done in virtual reality and the metaverse, right? Like we're going to see that happen, right? And the question becomes like, I bet you we will lean in on it, right? Because it'll have a nostalgia component. We've seen that with some of the movies that like we grew up with. You know, I remember watching some of the movies, you know, from the seventies and then all of a sudden they remade them now. But just like the house of dragon, you know, part of the beauty of what I'm looking forward to tonight is how much of the story starts to click. How do they connect in, right? Because they're, they're starting 200 years prior to where Game of Thrones started as, as far as uh, the Targaryens and the Mother of Dragons and that entire um, kind of narrative. But knowing really what the, you know, it's not going to be the same storyline. It's not going to be the same plot. Not even using the same, many of the, most of the same actors or actresses. But what is, is essential in it is it is, it is allowing some, you know, familiarity. It's also allowing us to answer questions or connect dots back to Game of Thrones. So I mentioned the X-Punks project that we uh, minted way back in December. The reason I love that project is the amount of time that Jeremy spent dissecting the original CryptoPunks project and recognizing what was missing or what was not included, right? The idea that, that women, the, the, the female character inside of the original CryptoPunks um, did not have a smile. They also didn't wear a hoodie. They also didn't wear a captain's hat, right? There was uh, a heavily skewed male um, creation versus female. I think it was 60-40 male CryptoPunks versus female 
CryptoPunks, there was no zero uh, non-binary representation. And what Jeremy did was he spent months figuring out how to change, how, to, how would the pixels work to make some of that happen? Now, here's the cool part. In that research, he realized part of the reason that things like having a, a female smile um, in, the, in the original collection, part of the reasoning was, was in the pixel creation of the art, the way the female facial characters were represented, the smile would almost run into like the nose. And so then the, the pixels wouldn't line up. Now he took that and to say, okay, well, how can I redesign some of the, you know, the components of, of that, you know, of, of the actual project uh, and, and of, of the art so that I could include some of those missing, um, you know, aspects. Now that is an expansion project, expansion punks. Now, the derivatives, derivative in the sense of, you know, building kind of off of the exact same art and, and kind of taking it another direction might be like the AI projects that we've seen, or even some of the projects that are what you would say would be a, a compilation of, of NFTs, right? So if you take one of the projects that just minted recently, and we, we included in our collection, uh, the Lazy Ape Club, right? So they're taking Lazy Lions and Bored Apes and kind of and they're making a derivative of that by pulling, pushing the, the, the art, you know, combining the art, uh, together. Now, the question ends up becoming, well, what is the value of doing so? Is it just trying to capitalize on the success of board apes and lazy lions? Is it because the, the traits, you know, and, uh, you know, what those two, uh, animals and characters represent mean something? Is it, from the idea of familiarity, right? The fact that the likelihood of someone buying into the project because it looks like the board apes that are all over the media and uh, they might, you know, currently hold a lazy lion, right? That that might be a component of this. But there's even a, a place of this that I think we have to take a little bit further, right? And ask ourselves, you know, what are the founders of projects like this? What is their connection back to original projects? You know, what what is that linkage, right? And so some of the projects that we've seen come out they do an expansion or a derivative project with the simple goal that they are jealous and jaded that they were not the original founder of the original project, which to me is not healthy. And I don't think that's why a lot of them failed. Other ones are like all of the Goblin Town copycats, right? We had Goblin Kids, Goblin Town Babies, Goblin Town, um, you know, birds, Goblin Town apes, Goblin you know, everything, right? A lot of people in that scenario were just trying to capitalize on a trend, right? They saw Goblin Town getting so much attention. They knew that it was a CC0 project where they wouldn't get in trouble for, you know, reusing that art. Anyone can use the art. It is in the public domain. And they tried to launch projects around that. Now, are those projects successful still today? Most of them are not, if not every one of them are not. Now, there are other ones that have turned themselves into something much bigger, right? They, they originally kind of started off as maybe just a, a fun NFT project or to test the art or to, um, you know, just to throw out great art out into the world, right? And all of a sudden now they want to build upon it. But when I think about this, when I, like, when I really looking at, you know, and I look at the past early adoption cycles and some of the things, you know, that I remember over the years in these different spaces is that for derivative or expansion projects, or even the fractionalization of NFTs, we really have to be clear in the, the context, the storytelling, the, the why and the how, and, the, and, and really, even so, like what is the, what is the connection and the reason that you know, that project still exists? And the and I, reason I example to that 
is like expansion punks, which I mentioned before. So Jeremy is a crypto punk holder. Uh, he owns mul- he owns multiple crypto punks, or he did when I interviewed him. And so for him, he loved the project, but he looked at it as like, wow, my daughters aren't represented in here the way that they wanted to. Like his daughter wanted a hoodie trait and his other daughter wanted a captain's hat that was smiling. And, and he couldn't, he, in the, in the collection that he loved, that was not a trait set or a combination that was available. And so he decided to build that, right? Which I think is just admirable and very, uh, very cool. But you know, the, the other part of that is, okay, well, what are we doing it with it beyond? Now, this is where it goes into trait groups. And for those that aren't familiar with trait groups, really what trait groups are, if you think about it from a standpoint of if you're all holding one, uh, you know, NFT, let's just say, uh, I'm going to throw out one that we're going to do, you know, I'll just put a, you know, pick a project off of, uh, off of my, you know, list, list of projects that I, you know, love and and connect, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to throw out, let's just say, uh, crypto dads, right? And the crypto dads projects, uh, the traits, there's lots of different traits, right? There's uh, beard, there's tattoos, there's uh, jersey, there's a chef a hat, there's a, a, um, a motorcycle jacket. And so they're different traits. So what has happened uh, in many collections are that people want to connect with others that hold an NFT that has the same traits as them, right? So one of the ones that I belong to is the first trait group I ever belonged to was referred to as the Kobe jersey. So it was, it was hashtag Team Kobe, because the jerseys that were on our crypto dads, the crypto dad I still hold to this day, was a purple and gold jersey that just had the number 24 on it. Now, it didn't say Lakers on it. And of course, for, for obvious reasons, but it also didn't even have Kobe in the, in the actual naming of the property. It just called it a basketball jersey, uh, trait. But all of us that were holding that one were kind of like, Oh, that's cool. You have a, you have a Kobe trait as well. And I remember asking the, the Crypto Dads Discord was like, hey, it would be really cool if you could create a Discord channel for all of us that are holding the Kobe jerseys because it could be end up being like a, a, a sports conversation or it could be a way for us to get to know, you know each other that hold that trait a little bit deeper. Now, back then it wasn't really um, a common thing to do. And I remember you know, the, the feeling or the, the thing that I got back was, no, we want to support all project, all traits and all projects. We don't want to give... Uh, preferential treatment to one uh, over another. Now, there is something beautiful in that, but we also just have to remember that much like in everything that you know people love or hate, that there is always subgroups and subsections, and in many cases, subgroups, you know, the, the ability to, uh, you know, for subgroups to flourish inside of a community are oftentimes the, the reason a community can, can survive and the reason that, you know, people can take ownership in that. And I actually think that's where this conversation needs to go. And that's why I brought in even the fractionalized component, right? Because, uh, people are fractionalizing NFTs with, you know, platforms like Rally and other platform, not Rally, like the coin Rally, but a different Rally, where you can actually buy and own a percentage of a CryptoPunk or a Bored Ape rather than you owning an entire, you know, or you having to buy one, uh, yourself. And, and the reason you might be like is like, well, why would someone want to do that that currently holds a board ape or a crypto punk or whatever it may be? Well, the real reason is, is that it's oftentimes hard to sell a rare NFT. And in other cases, you want to take out some of the profit. You want to be able to leverage some of the value, but you don't want to leave the project or exit the um, utility that is available for you. 
So we are seeing things like fractionalization and the kind of the loans that are, that are coming out against uh, uh, projects. And I think it's a positive thing. Uh, I just think DeFi has to figure itself out. DeFi is still a little mucky right now uh, in, some of these, uh, in some of these nuanced uh, ways as far as uh, leverage and liquidity. But the, the bigger piece of this comes into like the why, right? And I, I truly do believe two years from now, we're going to laugh that we used to think 10,000 NFTs in a collection was a lot. And we're also going to laugh that we used to think that we needed to, you know, wall things off and protect things. Now, I did mention that giving people a sense of ownership is important, right? And that's why I like the trait group concept. But when it comes to giving people ownership, part of the downside of that actually leads to the idea of if someone feels more ownership than others within an NFT project and they are vocal or they are speaking out with about that project, do they now yield more representation of the project itself? What I mean by that is like, I'm going to use that Kobe example because it didn't come to life. So it's one that I'm not pumping my bags. I'm, I'm just explaining it as an example. But if all of a sudden the, the Kobe trait got its own channel um, inside of the, the Crypto Dads Discord, as you know, I had kind of suggested back in September, and we were able to, you know, uh, you know, kind of talk about that. It was something we were using as a hashtag. It became like a thing, like a girl dad group, right? Or the Kobe group. Well, all of a sudden, like that was amplified. And so if we were speaking or tweeting or posting the Discord and we were rep, people knew that we were part of that cool, you know, group, the, the, the idea of like, you know, the connection to the project might actually increase. The problem with that is we are all equal owners in these NFT projects when we become owners. And I believe we should never let or believe that the actions or the beliefs of a few that are holding a certain NFT represents the project or the founder or the entire um, community for that matter. But there is one of those things that I've, we, we're seeing it right now where someone is given a little bit more ownership or power or attention and they find a little bit of success there. And what ends up happening there is they, they want to then, they get, they get to a place of, you know, how much do I now care about the original project? And why don't I have my own project? Or now that I have this, you know, influence and power, I want to be more influential on the project's decision or the, you know, the projects, um, you know, where the project's actually going. And that's where we're at at the moment. I think we're at a really interesting cross section. That, you know, does, does, because someone holds a hundred of one NFT collection, does that give them more voting rights? Should they have more voting rights? And if, if you do, if you believe they should, well, doesn't that just fall into the web two world of the rich get richer and, and the way that you get more power is you just have more money? I thought we didn't want that. I thought we wanted to move away from that. And if you're one that says, well, Brian, I don't really like expansion projects or derivatives. There's plenty of other animals. There's plenty of other things that people create. I don't want to see any more of these type of projects. The, the question you have to ask yourself is that, well, will you watch the, the spinoffs? Will you watch the, you know, part two, part three of movies and TV shows or, you know, whatever that may be? And if your answer is yes, well, let's take that a step further and say, well, maybe we're approaching what our thoughts are on expansion and derivatives wrong, right? It's not about like, and this is how I look at it. I believe great expansion projects as well as great derivative projects actually increase the value of the original project if they're done correctly. Now, 
I, I got this question the other day. Someone said, Brian, do you believe we will see, you know, expansion projects or derivative po- projects um, have the possibility of flipping um, their original project? And what I mean by flipping there, for those that aren't familiar, is the idea that will the floor price of the expansion project one day be higher than the floor price of the original project? Now, it's possible, uh, especially depending on the amount of supply, also depending on what the utility is. Also, depending on some of the, you know, the connective tissue between um, projects, I will say for me is that I do believe if uh, if I was creating, and I guess this is probably the best way to put it, if I was creating a derivative project or an expansion project uh, or even my own trait group within a uh, a collection, this is how I would uh, want to make sure that it was. Uh, communicated or conveyed so that it wouldn't go down the path that some other projects have gone. First of all, I would, I would want to make the connection very clear that we are not, you know, we are not speaking on behalf of and we are not, have no formal agreement with the original collection, but we are huge fans and current holders of that original project. And we have, based on the success or failure of this new project I am launching, it will not impact my holdings or beliefs in the original project that I am holding, right? And I, making that very clear is something that I would take you know, a lot of, uh, of time on. The other part of it is everything that I would do within that new project would be very intentional. I believe the intention is the part where there becomes a gray area, right? If the intention is not clear, like, why did you like these properties? Why are you using this same thing from the old collection and not this same thing, right? Like we have to be very clear with our intention. It might be personal preference. It might be bad exposure or experiences. It might be that you like didn't like that in the, in the, in the first case. It might be something that you want to build upon. The other thing that I think is important is that it's okay for projects to be expansions or kind of, uh, you know, building off of something. But we also just have to make sure that there is a clear delineation. And what I mean by that is sometimes the the biggest problem that I have in this space is that if someone can't tell that a project is the expansion of, and I I say someone, this is someone from the outside. If someone looks at art and says, oh, that looks like the original collection. Well, now that's a gray area, right? Because now we're getting into this area of like, am I now using the fact that I own a lookalike project as like a clout builder? And the truth is, you know, I've minted on 28 blockchain marketplaces over the last, you know, nine months. Almost every single blockchain marketplace has an ape project and a CryptoPunk project. It's just why, you know, it's just there. Now you might ask be asking why, why would that be? Well, let's think about it from education and early adoption. You know, as educators in the game, in the, you know, in the bleeding edge, uh, early adoption phase, one of the things that our goals that we have to have is how are we relating this new information and change to the, the previous world, right? So like I, I would argue to be a great educator in Web3, you need to be really knowledgeable in Web2 so that you can relate Web3 examples and Web3 use cases to Web2 examples and problems and use cases. And so with that in mind, oftentimes having art that is more mainstream or having a connection point that they are, that the, the new person that is coming into an early adoption phase, um, is, is connecting with 
is, is a step in the right direction, right? We want, we want people to feel like less overwhelmed, right? So if all of a sudden, if you're, you're welcoming people into something and all they see is everything new and nothing that looks familiar, even at like the highest of level, right? They might only know that Jimmy Fallon and uh, Justin Bieber own a bored ape. But the fact that nothing looks like that or the, the art is nowhere close to what they would have, were expecting, well, now this is just another thing in their head that's like, oh, I thought I had an idea of what's going on, but now I don't. And so I do look at the value inside of, of you know, this whole conversation is that when we are onboarding people, it's why I use board apes or crypto punks or crypto chicks or some of the projects as examples in this podcast on a regular basis. It's because I, I want to use them as a familiarity, like a relatability play, and which I know helps people learn easier, helps people visualize, and helps us connect things that, that matter in this space. And so I, I'm really passionate about, like, let's, let's not loop in every project that looks like another project the same. Let's, let's treat each one of them like we would a spinoff of Game of Thrones. Like, I remember when Game of Thrones ended, I was, it was a sad day, super sad day. Uh, huge fan of that, of the series. Uh, I'm actually wearing a, a, an Air Jump uh, Aria t-shirt right now as we're recording. Uh, you know, shout out to Air Aria. Uh, uh, but, you know, I remember, you know, you know, because of the books and some of the things that were associated, um, you know, within, you know, George, you know, R.R. Martin's, uh, you know, collection. I remember thinking like, which of these would be, would excite me the most? Or which of me, these would I, you know, be, you know, kind of more, most connected to? And what I went back to was actually a TV show that was one of my favorites of all time, which was called Sons of Anarchy. And Sons of Anarchy was, it probably is my favorite show of all time that I've ever watched. And they, they did a spinoff. It was called The Mayans. And I loved the show. But what I also loved about the show was, although there was a couple characters that crossed over from the Mayans, from the Sons of Anarchy, the narrative and the, and the plot and the overall view was completely new and fresh. But you know, periodically, you would see they would, they would run across some of the old biker gangs that they were, um, you know, they, they were part of you know, in the other show, and you would see familiar characters make cameos in that new spot. And so I actually, you know, when I look at this as like an NFT crypto, you know, component, like this is only going to continue and to grow. And so our answer can't be, I don't like these style of projects. Our, also, our answer can't be going into every derivative or expansion project with the belief that they will fail or they will suck. Because that is like going in and real, and, and why would I go see, you know, the second one of this show or like for my daughters, right? Like Frozen, Frozen 1 and Frozen 2 and Frozen 3, right? Or my daughters right now, like, you know, they love zombies and, and uh, that zombie show that just came out with their part three. And what I find so funny about that when I watch my daughters, and I think this is where I'll, I'll kind of close out this episode on, is that a lot of it is they like to see the growth. They like to see the, the, the actors get older. They like to feel like they are in the know. And that's actually part of what I think we can look at projects and the idea of expansion and derivatives and even the trait groups. I believe trait groups will be something that we will continue to see adopted, 
but we're going to see different ways they're going to be adopted, right? Where the Bulls and Apes project, which we had them on the podcast, they've, they've actually certified different trait groups. And those, you know, to be a trait group in their project, you must be certified. And those trait groups now have their own Twitter account. Most of them have their own website. I know some of them are launching their own NFTs just for like their, those that are holding that trait, that trait in their uh, collection. Now that's one way of doing it. I, we will see how that, you know, the success of that. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the organic, uh, you know, kind of organizing of trait uh, communities. But I also think that there are something, some things beautiful that can come out of that because we all know that even though we're a part of a 10,000, uh, you know, collection for the most part, a lot of these collections are, we don't know or like or aligned or even want to talk to all 10,000 people, right? So finding like our people within a project or a collection can be a game changer. It can be the reason you stay in a project. And even if the main project you're not as connected to or you don't believe in the utility as much or you're upset with the, the founder, if you're part of a, a, a subsection group or a trait group um, that you relate with and you enjoy, the likelihood of you still holding on is, is actually increased. And so there is massive a win there for those that are founders and those that are you know, in the space. The question just becomes like, how do you enable that, empower that, but also recognize that can lead to people feeling as though they're either more important, more valuable, or they are the voice of a collection, when in many cases, it's not just them, it's all of the, the holders. And lastly, I'll just throw this out there. You know, I'm a huge fan of studying others' you know, components in this space. And so what I would challenge you in is look at the marketing and advertising today for the House of the Dragon, which is the spinoff of Game of Thrones, versus what it will look like at the end of season one. I firmly believe what we will see is at the end of season one, it will no longer be a side-by-side -side, you know, uh, picture of Game of Thrones. It will no longer be about the Game of Thrones series. It will be part of the narrative, but the main narrative will now be building off of what they've created, what they've built within the House of Dragons season one or House of Dragon, season one. And I see this in, a, in some projects. And so I got to give a shout out to the OX Apes, which is now referred to as the Odyssey Tribe, because the OX Apes were an expansion of the Board Ape Yacht Club that had the yellow background, amber background. Uh, and they launched new art recently and kind of a rebranding into the Odyssey Tribe as that project is now phased in to be less of an expansion of Board Apes and more of the Odyssey tribe of the future. I believe that is where my confidence and belief in these type of projects, these type of, uh, of kind of really just like the future of this space. And remember, there is nothing that breeds copying like success. So I can promise you the next project that is launched that looks like it's going to be a blue chip, we will see derivatives and expansions and we will see other uh, ones built on top of it. And let's just take those for what they are because the truth is you might be missing out on the community, the utility, the people that you want to be a part of based simply on a, a jaded approach to what all of this means. Nobody has figured out the best way to manage IP in the digital age. Nobody has figured out you know, how to, to really amplify or connect. But I know for our project, I will support, I will amplify, and I will be there in every way possible for anyone that builds derivatives or expansions of our project. But I also will make sure 
that people are aware of how and what that means to me and what that means, I believe, to the project itself. So that being said, uh, remember, we definitely check out our sponsor, Crypto Business Conference. It is happening in October in beautiful San Diego, California. It is going to be an intimate event, single track event. If you are looking for uh, an NFT, Metaverse, Web3 education, but also, you know, ability to network with uh, like-minded people uh, in a beautiful place like beautiful San Diego, California, definitely check it out. They, the link uh, and information is in our uh, show notes and our bio. And I will leave you with this. The, our ability to tell stories and our ability to communicate, I believe, is the every bit of what a project or what this space will be successful for. And what I mean by that is there's a reason a lot of the crypto bros don't like NFTs because they look at NFTs as just a, a picture on the front of a token. And part of that is because they look at this as an expansion or a derivative one could argue the layer two blockchains that were forked or built on top of Ethereum are nothing more than derivatives or expansions of. One could even argue that's how, you know, how we grew beyond uh, Bitcoin as a whole. But the beauty of this is, is if we are doing it for the right way, reasons, we are giving clear context, telling the, the stories, and have a goal of building something new and bigger, not trying to squash or trying to just copy, I believe we are, we are setting ourselves up for some really powerful and exciting, innovative times. Until tomorrow, my friends, make it a great day. Cheers. The Mint 365 Collection 100-Day Countdown is on. We're counting down to November 11th when we'll auction off all 365 NFTs as one collection, including a custom mosaic of all the art. Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. We are greater than me, and as always... This show is not financial advice, so do your own...